Hello. Hello, hello. Hello? We're good. Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that got early Christmas presents from both the Queen of America and the Tsarina of Tokyo. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother Peter. Here. Um, <laughs> hey, man. So, I really wish I had a Porthos quote, but it kind of <laughs> surprised me with that one. So. Oh, no, I got you. Um, yeah, I thought of that the other day when I was uh, watching it on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> nice. Um, so, uh, at any rate... Um, Welcome back for this week. Um, let's just jump right in. Uh, what are we watching? Are we reading anything? Are you just, yeah. du- are you just stuck on Disney Plus right now? No, I actually kind oh. of... Uh, I almost feel sick of uh, Disney Plus, to be honest. <laughs> like, I feel like in my life there's just been so much Disney stuff going on like constantly that I'm just like, man, I'm just ready for a break from uh, Disney. There, um, that, that's like sacrilege in a really weird way. Well, you think so? Oh, I think in a general sense, being sick of Disney at all is kind of sacrilege in this world. I, I guess. I don't <laughs> anyway, know. I, go ahead. It's funny that I say that, though, because I actually did start re-watching uh, Gargoyles the other yeah, day. Yeah, mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> I guess, like, what I'm sick of is the Disney, like, princess films. I just feel like that's been, like, and you know this constant, like, presence in my life since that streaming service what's started. What's funny and, about that, though, is that there's not nearly as many Disney princess films as everyone thinks there is like Disney princesses is kind of like a pillar but okay. there's not nearly as many Disney princess movies that everyone actually thinks there are Disney princess movies. Yeah. I mean, I didn't think there was like a couple hundred, but it's I mean, like a good like I mean, there are 20 se- or there 30 are, of them, there are right? sequels. Yeah. But that's but no, there's not 20 or 30 of them. You sure? Take the sequels <laughs> out. All right. I don't want to do the whole list, but take the sequels out of the equation. Okay? So mm-hmm. Cinderella's 2 and 3 don't count because if your kid really wants to watch Cinderella some more, you can say, here's one you haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. But overall, you have, what? Okay, so Snow White, uh, Sleeping Beauty, Little Mermaid, uh, Cinderella, uh, Beauty and the Beast. Technically, Mulan doesn't count, but they counter. Yeah. And the reason I say they count Mulan, but in my opinion, she's not because not only was she not royalty, she didn't marry into royalty, so she's not a princess. But they counter. Yeah. So uh, Pocahontas, um, Frozen, Tangled. What? So that's nine off the top of my head. Yeah. I think I named, but out of all of the Disney animated films, the the 50 plus animated films, only nine of them are actual princess movies. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I feel like there might be a couple other stragglers. I might be, there, I might be missing one or two, but my point is, it's not as many <laughs> as everyone. But it's, it's also like there's a big wealth of animated films that kind of have the same vibe as all the movies you just mentioned as well, and it's just kind of like this thing right. that I, right. I, I like <laughs> Disney animated movies, like I, I love them, but it's just one of these things. Like ever since Disney Plus came out, it's like everywhere I go, everyone's house I go to at work, like it's always like, hey, we're watching talking this. about Disney Prince or we're watching it and I'm just like at this point we're like man I need to watch some like murder documentaries or something like this is getting exhausting I need but, to watch something violent <laughs> um but yeah so I am watching Gargoyles and uh to be honest like I'm, I'm only a couple episodes in right now but I feel like 
the show is holding up a lot better than I I even expected. Like, I think the core concept of the story is still really interesting. I think the animation overall is pretty decent, and I I think I'm just, like, finding it, like, really cool, which uh, I didn't know if that was going to be the case, you know? Sometimes you revisit old animated shows, and they're not exactly what you cracked them up to be, to be when you were a kid, you know what I mean? Um, there is one weird aspect of the show, and it's the only thing that I've really doubted since I started watching it, and that's, uh, did you ever, did you ever watch Gargoyles back in the day? I watched a little bit, so you, got, so you have to understand that Gargoyles is born out of the idea of Batman the Animated Series. And I say that because Batman in the Animated Series started everything in terms of, like, this animation renaissance, I want to say. Yeah. Where in terms of, like, the style of cartoon, the style of art, the style of storytelling, it's like that kind of started everything. Yeah. And he moved into Superman and Justice League and so on on the DC front. But then everyone was like, that's a cool idea. Let's do this Gargoyle <laughs> show. And I'm not saying Gargoyles is like a ripoff because it's its own thing. What I'm saying is it had a very similar vibe yeah. To that, right? I kind of... I when kind of Gargoyles wanna... was coming out, I was on the out in terms of my age with school and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, I, couldn't, I gotcha. I couldn't... There's no way I could keep up. So, I saw very little, but go yeah. ahead. So, well, I, you saying that, like, I kind of actually do want to do some research to know if the Gargoyles animation was influenced by that, you know, Batman the Animated Series, Bruce Tim style, because I think it's like... The, the way the characters are designed in Gargoyles is a lot less uh, geometric, I guess, than the uh, Bruce Tim style. But it, is but it definitely like, seems to have a Bruce Tim... Um, uh, the biggest thing is they do a lot with shadows that's similar to Batman the Animated Series with like characters emerging out of shadows and stuff like that. So I actually do want to kind of look into was there a big influence on that or not. It does look like there is definitely a little bit, and I feel like... In a good way, like, Batman the Animated Series probably opened a lot of doors for dark animated series in general back in the 90s. Um, the one thing I was going to say that I've kind of... The one thing that I've found it hard to suspend my disbelief is in the series, there's this character named Xanatos who... So the Gargoyles were all around uh, during the medieval times, and the first two episodes are kind of their origin story, and it's all about how the Gargoyles... Um, were turned to stone, and it was this spell that said they would be turned to stone until the castle that they were on was brought above the clouds. So it was basically something that people never thought could be fulfilled, like the gargoyles were going to be stoned forever. And uh, in modern times, this guy Xanatos realized, like he researches the gargoyles, and he learns about this, and he's like a billionaire, so he has this huge skyscraper, and he transports the castle on top of his skyscraper and that's what causes the gargoyles to to um awaken in modern times right the one thing i've been doubting is i was like how strong does that skyscraper have to be <laughs> to be able to support a full castle's worth of stone like there's no way a skyscraper could support that much weight and it's kind of just one of these funny like Things you never thought of as a kid, but, like, I'm just watching and, like, well, I actually don't know if I believe that could actually happen. But other than that, like, I feel like the series has held up really well. I think uh, 
this is a series that I think, I hope it stays popular. I hope people keep streaming it because, like I've said before, I'd love to see them do a spinoff show. Or, like, fingers crossed, what I think would be the coolest option for Disney would be to do a live-action version of Gargoyles, like maybe in a movie form. I think that'd be really neat. I think it's something that... And now we have the tech to do it, too. Exactly. That could be really... And it's something that it I, I imagine it would be something with kind of like an underworld-esque vibe, like kind of a dark uh, sci-fi superhero sort of thing. But it's something that I feel like there's not a lot of properties like that right now, so I think it'd be really exciting to see that. Um, other than that, I also finally got the chance to watch uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Okay. Um, this movie was... I feel like knowing descriptions of the film before going in, it was kind of exactly what I thought it was going to be. Like, I didn't find the story super surprising. I think uh, it was a decent... I was more surprised that it was only PG-13. Well, that's the thing. I was actually going to say, because it's a decent standard sort of horror story. Like, there's... I don't think it's, like, an excellent film, but there's also not a lot of bad stuff I can say about it. But you were mentioning that it's PG-13. This is a movie that does a really good job of being a movie that like a teenager could watch and there's not a lot of gore and they just focus on the stories and the scares and i think it's really cool in that way like i appreciate how it really just went for scares and it went for horror instead of like having to show a bunch of blood and guts um there's a lot of like the visuals of the movie which i think are kind of the strong point of the movie there's it's shot really interestingly there's a lot of cool like creature design in it um but there's especially this one scene and uh if you've seen the movie it's the red room scene um and you'll know what i'm talking about but it's one scene in the movie that's so unique and so weird and like while i say the whole movie kind of I feel like it fit this standard sort of horror movie template to an extent, but there's this one scene that was so creepy and so suspenseful and just so weird. And it's the, if, if you ever watch it, it's the Red Room scene, like you'll know what to watch out for. But I feel like the movie's worth watching just for this one scene because it has like one of the most unique character designs I've seen. And it's just... Like I said, it's just bizarre in the best did, way possible. Did I so. tell you about taking the kids to a haunted house for Halloween? No, I don't think did so. Did I tell you about this? Okay, I don't remember if I talked about it on the podcast or not, but um, there was a haunted house near a haunted house. It was basically the college that near near me did a dorm of the dead. Um, <laughs> nice. Like haunted house. <laughs> That'd be a really good name for a movie, by the way. <laughs> it, it, would, it would be. Uh, but they turned one of the dorms, one of the, I guess, semi-vacant slash post potentially unused dorms um, into, like, a haunted house for Halloween to, like, yeah. raise some money for the campus. So me and a friend of mine took our kids to go to the haunted house because they wanted to go. They're yeah. 10. Okay? And you're thinking to yourself, that's when everyone starts watching all the horror movies like Freddy and Jason and stuff, and the kids wanted to go. They were the ones asking. Oh, yeah. Not us. Not like, ooh, <laughs> let's go do this. Yeah. They were asking. 10 feet into the door. If I told this story on the show already, I apologize. You're going to hear it again. 10 feet into the door, they went into panic mode (laughs) and could not handle it. Okay. And I'm like, dude, (laughs) we can't turn around right now. Like, we paid already. Yeah. We got to go through. You guys are going to have to suffer. And then me and my friend Chris were laughing at the kids (laughs) the entire trip while they were in, like, panic attacks Mm -hmm. um and it was it was like they did some really clever things like you go like it was a dorm right 
and they told us when we walked in, they said, feel free to explore the dorm rooms. You just can't open the doors that say do not enter. Okay, that's yeah. fair. I don't know why they say do not enter. That's fair to tell us before we go I mean, in. it's probably because people were actually living in there, right? And not or or it's to. because that's where the cast members were hiding and they didn't want us to see behind-the-scenes stuff. I oh, don't yeah. know. Mm-hmm. The way I looked at it was we were walking on a hall, and there's a door mm-hmm. that doesn't have a sign that says do not enter on it. So we literally were like, let's open up the door. And we opened the door, and the way the dorm room split, it was like you had a dorm room, and then it's like you had two bedrooms and with like a large walk-in closet, right? Okay. Well, we kind of looked in. Um, it just it just looked like whoever was in there just got out really fast. It was okay. some creepy lighting. It just looked like they got out really quick. Nice. You know what okay. I mean? So there's just stuff strewn around. So almost like it was telling a story in a sense. Yeah. And then we walk, we're like, all right, well, there's nothing really in here. And then we walked down the hallway a little farther, the main hallway. And then we opened up the door. And the one bedroom was done like the house from Stranger Things with the alphabet on the wall and nice. the, like and the pathways, the roots paths and everything. Okay, cool. Uh, all over the room. The other bedroom was the portal to the upside down from the science facility. <laughs> nice. And I'm like, this is just really clever decoration. Yeah. And then the demogorgon jumped out at us. <laughs> nice. Um, Did the it, kids get those references and the stuff? The kids Did knew exactly okay, what nice. it was and they, fr- that was the moment we're like, I can't, I gotta go home, I gotta go home and I'm like, we have to go yeah. forward. There's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. So they had some themed ones and then they did have one room which was a little unnerving because you just didn't know and like, you're in the hallway and you see the door is open and there's a weird light so you just kind of crane your neck around the edge of the door and you see this, like, guy in, like, a demonic Joker costume. <laughs> okay, nice. <laughs> like, he's, like, like it's a mask, so you can't see what the face, you can't see his actual face. It's a mask. And he, like, kind of gives you the finger, like, come here. And you're just like, all right, whatever. So you walk in, and it's a bar. Okay. That you can actually order drinks. <laughs> nice. And they had the drink, like, list laid out, and he'll make you drinks and stuff. Like, I'm like. Cool. And it's unnerving because you're like, I'm in a haunted house. What can I possibly be <laughs> handed right now? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it was basically, honestly, the drink I had was like Sprite with Skittles in it. Like, okay, it was yeah. just, <laughs> it was funny. Nice. Um, that sounds really fun. The, the reason I bring up that, what this has to do with scary stories you tell in the dark is when we paid and we're waiting, they had a holding room where you wait. Okay, nice. To go in the haunted house, and while you're waiting, you're watching scary stories. Oh, and nice. Tell the yeah. <laughs> so, did you see much of the movie? Or? I saw a chunk. I've I I haven't watched the whole thing. I watched about half yeah. of it, and then we did the haunted house thing, and then I saw a little bit that I had not seen when I was sitting there. And okay. Then I just cool. haven't had a chance to finish the movie. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Um, and I I probably should because I say I watch all this other stuff, but then Disney Plus came out and The Mandalorian oh, yeah. derailed my life. Um, it was kind of like an on the whim thing. Like we saw the <laughs> scary stories was at Redbox, so we're like, oh yeah, we'll we'll watch it tonight. You well, know, the sort kids of thing, were but... like, yeah, let's watch this movie, and then they're like, this is creepy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I bet there's this sort of uh, accomplishment they felt after the full process, where like you're a little kid and you probably feel so badass when you actually can say like I went through that haunted house sort of thing. I, I mean, I know I felt that back in the day when uh, the sci-fi channel would do their Halloween like horror movie marathon and you like sure. hang out watching like Friday the 13th or Pumpkinhead or whatever it is all day and like you're you know you're 10 11 12 and you just feel like you're so cool that you're actually getting to watch this stuff so um what what have you been watching all right so man we've been on the watching category for a while <laughs> um well first off I just want to say that I've talked about how Marvelous Miss Maisel is one of my favorite shows 
I think it's one of the best shows out yeah. there right now. Um, tonight, as we record this, it is uh, December 5th. That means Maisel starts, the new season of Marvelous Ms. Maisel starts tomorrow. Okay. So that means I'm coming home from work and I got Mandalorian and Marvelous Ms. Maisel. Here we go. Nice. <laughs> my, light is pl- my night is planned. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Um, I also, however, started watching Jack Ryan on Amazon. Okay, um, which is, I don't know anything about well, this at all. Tom, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan from Tom, the Tom Clancy books. Um, if Still you've, don't know, <laughs> but that's cool. Um, if you've seen movies like Some of All Fears, Clear and Present Danger, uh, Patriot Games, um, Hunt for Red October, those are all movies that star a character named Jack Ryan. Many people have played him, Harrison Ford, Ben Affleck, Alec Baldwin. Um, right. They've played the character, but this is a show on Amazon, so it's long-form storytelling. Uh, John Krasinski from The Office plays Jack Ryan, who, if you don't, since you don't know who Jack Ryan is, he's an analyst for the CIA who discovers something going on. In the okay. in the show, he discovers something going on in the Middle East, and ah. because of the information he has, he gets pulled in and then eventually becomes a field agent himself, and then he becomes like a legit CIA field agent spy espionage. Okay. So it's basically like a spy thriller, just long form. Okay. Um, nice. The, the first season is awesome. Okay. Like it's really good, um, and I was just riveted all the way through it, and it was just fantastic. Uh, there's one little like side story that they tell that I'm not sure if that was needed, but I get why they told it when you got to the end. I was like, yeah, okay. I just don't know if it was really needed, but otherwise, awesome. Fair enough. Yeah. I started the second season. I had a friend tell me that he thinks the second season, it was almost like they did the first season, and then when you start watching the second season, you're going to go, oh, they got their shit together, and here we go. I'm not enjoying the second season as much, but I'm only a couple episodes in, Okay. and it hasn't really got, like, the mystery is still there. Like, I still don't fully know what's going on yet. And I know that once we suddenly, like, oh, that's what's happening, it's going to really, like... (laughs) Okay, nice. So I'm kind of waiting for that to happen. My other, what I'm really bummed out about the second season is that the love interest from the first season is not in the second season. So it really bums me out because I really enjoyed her character. Okay. And I really enjoyed her as an actress. And I was kind of hoping it was going to be a long form thing. So hopefully that comes back like later, but she's not in the second season at all because I, because I didn't see her name in the credits. Yeah. And then I looked up the show and went, oh. Yeah, that's so. unfortunate when that happens, but it's just like, yeah. I guess it just happens sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> um, other than that, I am all prepped for Crisis on Sunday. Yeah, that's what I was um, I was talking to a friend about that recently. All um, prepped for Crisis on Infinite Earths on the CW. I can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> well, yeah, me and my buddy at work were talking about this event, and we were both kind of like, yeah, we're so behind on the shows, but we're thinking about just jumping in blindly honestly, into the event. Honestly, you can be behind on the shows, but if you have any knowledge of how the DC Comics universe works, if you know any yeah. of it, you can probably jump in and just start watching this the crossover from right there. Yeah. All the lead up stuff will make a huge. It'll be it'll be beneficial to you to see everything because there's a character. There's something going on on the Arrow show, which I think people will be like, "Wait, who's that person?" Other than that, okay. Um, it's I I can't wait. It's gonna be so amazing. That's awesome, man. And then um, I don't know if it's every night, but I guess at the end. So it's three episodes: Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then we go on winter break. And then you get the two-episode conclusion to Crisis 
in January when the winter break is over. So it's almost like they're doing a oh, Infinity man. War Endgame break. So there's going to be a massive cliffhanger, and then we're going to get a two-episode <laughs> conclusion. I might just wait to binge through the whole thing later. Well, this is what I found. So Kevin Smith is doing a television broadcast, like a after-show thing, for each part. Yeah. So I don't know if that means he's going to be on every single night. So like after each episode, there's going to be a Kevin Smith, like, let's talk about what we watched thing. Yeah. Or... It's going to be after the three episodes, here we go, break, Let I'm going to give you this so you can sit tight, and then in January we get another one. So I thought that was cool that they're going to kind of do like an after show with him. Um, nice. So yeah. <laughs> All right. We've been on this for way longer than we should, so let's I'll talk some... Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's okay, just way longer than I thought we were. We gonna. like things. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, let's real talk. Let's hit some news real quick. Um, first off, I don't have this on the whiteboard. I apologize because I just saw it. Um, remember when we talked about how Tom Holland is one of the reasons he saved uh, Spider-Man and the MCU? Yeah. Remember that giant Spider-Man oh, yeah. nonsense? He made a phone call to Bob Iger to say, we really need to figure this out. Apparently, um, Tom Holland says it was... it was <laughs> Tom Holland was drunk when he called Bob Iger <laughs> to say, we need to figure this out. Okay. <laughs> Which made me laugh. He said he was three pints in at a pub at a trivia night. When uh, Bob Iger called him first to discuss Spider-Man returning, and then it went from there. Nice. I mean, and I'm just thinking Tom Holland seems like he's a pretty small guy, so three times <laughs> and probably hit, hit him hard. Yeah, it made me laugh. That's cool. I, I, it makes me kind of wish that back in the day, like, Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield would have shown, like, that kind of initiative, you know, and we could have seen their series going, but that is a really hilarious story. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Spawn. Remember there's a Spawn reboot coming? Yeah, I'm, like, really, uh, wanting to know what's going on with yeah, that. Yeah, where the hell is this movie? <laughs> Since it was originally for? supposed to come out this year. Well, here's what's interesting about Spawn is, so, if you know the Spawn cartoons, you know that there's two police officers, if you know Spawn cartoons, um, the HBO animated series, which is unbelievable. Check it out if you haven't. Uh, if you watch that, or if you read the comic books... Um, there's two police officers, uh, Sam and Twitch, um, who you kind of follow. So you have like the spawn story and then they're like the police officers trying to follow everything and trying to figure out what's going on. There was supposed to be a Sam and Twitch television series. Yeah. I don't know where that is. I'd love to see it. It was supposed that. to be like, written it, by Kevin Smith. Right. There was a live, <laughs> it was a live action television series. Yeah. I I'm curious to where that is. Um, but the spawn reboot's coming and according to these are directly from Todd McFarlane. Todd McFarlane. To direct quotes from Todd McFarlane. Right now, it's being polished by another writer and director from the script that we handed him, which says I'm going to break these quotes up a little bit. Yeah. That says to me he wrote a script and handed it off to a friend of his to say, "Take a pass and tell me if what we need to clean up." Right. It's always good to have a fresh pair of eyes. So clean this up. Bring it, so and it's if, like Todd McFarlane's going to take a pass. His buddy's going to take a pass at it. He's going to send it back with notes. Todd McFarlane's going to clean up some dialogue. You know, that's right. kind of how I took Which, that. if that's what it means, it's awesome. Originally, Todd McFarlane said he was going to fund and direct the movie himself. So, And I'm glad you said yeah. that because that leads into the next quote. So okay. that's kind of funny. So he says, here's what I can tell you. I have people with money on the sidelines. There are people that are going to help me make this movie. The question is, do we go into Hollywood, make a deal with Hollywood, and then go back and make the production, and then come back? Or, do we take the outside money, go make the movie, and then go back to Hollywood? 
And he's going to do the latter, I'm assuming. The issue is, is that means that there is no studio backing for this movie yet. There's just people who are interested in the project. So is is Blumhouse out? Because I thought Blumhouse was producing. That is the not video. a part. That is not a part of the art. Okay. Yeah. So he basically is like, they're gonna come. Um, Does he have a definitive answer at this point, or is he just saying like he's saying which the movie's happening regardless? Yeah. Um, it's really like they need to figure out what they're doing. It's got a lot of mumbo jumbo dealing with lawyers and um, agents and stuff, and that's the biggest issue okay so um i have a feeling that who pays for what and who gets paid for what like who is paying for this part these parts of the movie and then on top of that who's getting paid once we get the royalties and the movie starts making money and all that. yeah like, that stuff has to be figured out way in advance before they even start making the movie and that's that's a big part right. of it so um knowing todd mcfarlane like he is not a guy who likes to play by other people's rules like he is he has like an indes- independent spirit through and through and that's why like i feel like he's going to just make the movie himself the way he wants to and i feel like maybe that's what he's saying is like he's gonna try getting hollywood on board at first but if they don't want to make this movie the way he does, he's probably just going to go make it himself. And that's just kind of what the guy's done his whole career. And um, I think it's really inspiring, but it is a thing where I hope that it does get made and it does get distribution and we are able to see this movie. Because, like, I think last year I said this was my one of my most anticipated movies for this year, but obviously right. it hasn't come out it's, yet. And it's not I want to see this movie it. so bad, you know. But, I agree. Um since we're on comic books, let me toss this out to you. So this is a list of... I know this isn't on the whiteboard. There's two things on the whiteboard. The Tom Holland thing, and then something I completely forgot to ask you about before we sat down. So if okay. you haven't watched it yet, we'll have to discuss later. Um, well, how about this? The Black Widow trailer. Did you watch yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, I watched it. Okay, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, it looks pretty good. It looks great. <laughs> and I'm so happy to see I'm... Scarlett Johansson again, because I'm still angry the... that she's no longer with us. The movie... Ugh, and... Stupid the... endgame. <laughs> Spoilers. I'm like, uh, no, like, it's funny because it's not an issue of me going through the stages of grief losing Black Widow. I've been angry since I saw the movie the first time. Like, okay, you know, it's not like they're like, oh, I was sad and I was upset about it and now I'm grieving and then I'm angry. Like, it's not like that. This is a, I was mad <laughs> when it happened and it's, yeah. Go <laughs> okay. ahead. Um, I lost my train of thought. Oh, so the Black Widow trailer. The movie... Everything looks really cool. It looks like there's a lot of really cool action scenes. The choreography looks great. I think it looks awesome. The only thing I really didn't like is I didn't really like the way that Taskmaster looks. Like, I feel Um, like he looks like a dumbed-down version of the uh, comic book Taskmaster. uh, I'll give you that. Um, But I also know that that is one shot of a scene in a movie that is a trailer that's out of context. And yeah. it's in a car chase. So what if, for example, that car chase causes his costume to become more closer later on? You know what I mean? Okay. Like something happens and then later on in the movie he ends up, his costume like evolves throughout the that's, film. That's fair enough. Because like, I just kind of like didn't like the, like Taskmaster has such. I liked, it, I liked his mask. The rest See, of the I didn't, I didn't, I, didn't like, I wasn't even a fan of the mask. But, I wanted it to look more skull But it was very like blink of an eye and he was gone. Yeah. Unless I decided to pause the trip. Well, I paused it. Oh. So, <laughs> I don't know. To me, like, Taskmaster has such a bold design in the comics. And, like, I watched it. I saw him in the trailer, and I'm like, well, that just looks like a dude in a blue helmet. And, like, 
Like, I want him to have more of a skull-looking mask. This I want him to have a big hood and not just, like, a little dinky hood remember, and a cape. Remember you know? when we said we got to trust the casting department? The yeah. costume department pretty much hasn't failed us either. I don't Lately. Know. Lately. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'm that big of a fan of Marvel's costume departments, and that just oh. kind of comes to, like, my personal taste, but I think, it, like, refra- a lot of their... Let me rephrase. Captain America's... Avengers 1 costume irritated the crap out of me because it looked like he was wearing pajamas the whole movie. See, I didn't mind his, that, I didn't mind, mind that one. I don't know. I always want the movie costumes to look more comic booky, so that's kind of where I'm taking this thing. Oh. But I, I do understand the argument that you want it to be more realistic and tactical. Well, looking. you want it to be realistic and tactical, but you want it to be taken seriously when you look at the page. Right. You know what I mean? Like, Falcon, his costume, I think, looked a lot like Falcon from the comics, but it was definitely a more tactical version of the spandex that he wears in the comics. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So. And I like that. I think it's like, if Taskmaster... I know they probably don't want to give him a cape, because that... It, it doesn't seem very tactical and Capes realistic that he would be wearing a cape. But I do want his him to have a helmet that looks closer to what he wears in the comics. Um... And that's, like, probably the biggest thing. But like you said, it's completely out of context. So we'll just see where it goes, to be honest. <laughs> that's, right. And like I said, that's the only thing in the trailer where I was like, well, I kind of wish he had a different look. But <laughs> Well, um, since we're on Black Widow, check this out. So next year, so in 2020, since we're 2020's right around the corner, we have, on the Marvel side, we have Black Widow and the Eternals. On the DC side, we get Birds of Prey and Wonder Woman 1984. Those are the four comic book movies next year from the two pillars of the companies. In 2021, from on the Marvel side, we get Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Okay, that's what we get in Marvel. What do we get on the DC side? Black Adam and the Batman. (laughs) Okay. Um, I don't know who's having better years, but I'll tell you this. I'm excited for Black Widow. I'm excited for Doctor Strange. In terms of the DC side, I'm excited for all four. Okay. Um, Mostly because I don't know much about the Eternals, and I really don't know much about Shang-Chi. Yeah, I would agree with that. And that is the only reason I say that. I am down for everything else. uh, Do you know what Sony's springing at us, though? Like, is Sony bringing anything to the table or oh, within I, the next two years? That, that I don't know. I just saw that. Cause, just because Marvel versus DC, I just saw oh, yeah. this post and I was like, oh, that's interesting. I mean, I like it. If we're going to have two Marvel movies and two DC movies every year, I feel like that's a perfect amount because it's not comic book overload. Like, I feel like the last four or five years, it's like every year there's like almost like 10 comic book movies coming out and it's like an overload and you don't even have that excitement to see the next one because it's just too much and i feel like and i feel bad saying that but i feel like four major comic book movies is like a really good balance for the year you know what i mean so all right we're gonna come back to comic books in just a second i got some star wars things to point out and then we're gonna jump because i have we got to talk about the snyder cut because something got posted and it's got me like really wondering things now so first off um what did you do you like ray in star wars um As a i character? feel conflicted towards ray okay how do you feel about daisy ridley playing ray you like daisy ridley yeah okay so it turns out jennifer lawrence 
was highly considered for the part of Rey in The Force Awakens. Interesting. She was turned away because she was too big of a star and would have distracted from the essence of Rey's mystery behind her character. I could see that. I totally agree with that. I just wonder how different the movie would have been if it was um, Jennifer Lawrence instead of Daisy Ridley. I One of the things about the original Star Wars is that aside from Harrison Ford... And aside from Harrison Ford, Alec Guinness, and Peter Cushing, everyone was basically an unknown actor. And you got to, and these characters very quickly became household names. Yeah. So when they announced they were doing the sequel trilogy, I was honestly hoping for almost all unknown actors. You need like a couple to draw name recognition to the movie, yeah. but make it all unknowns. And well, then, that's when you get, you know, Max von Sydow and stuff like that. Right, you know? right, exactly. And then Max von Sydow and, you know, throw in Oscar Isaac and then the rest can be all yeah, unknowns. Yeah. And primarily, that's exactly what they did. And, you know... I do feel like, and I don't know if it's... So I was hoping that the Ray character would have been an unknown. And, I mean, for the most part, she was. Yeah. So. I don't know if it's like uh, me commending Jennifer Lawrence's uh, acting abilities or what it is, but... I feel like I don't get super distracted by her in movies to the point of where, like, I can only see her as Jennifer Lawrence. Like, no, I usually I, believe her as the character she's meant to play. She's, where she's an actor. I, I totally agree with that statement. You, you take other actors like, I mean, like Johnny Depp. Is I like, mentioned that. <laughs> la- we talked about that last week. Yeah, but he's, like, at the point where you can't see him as, like, anybody else in a movie. But Jennifer Lawrence, I still feel like she would have done a good job as Ray, but... I mean, it makes sense that they didn't go right. with her, so... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so Disney has the Star Wars park. Yeah. Yeah, and they have a hotel coming. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, for those people who are trying to plan vacations to go see uh, gal- go to Galaxy's Edge at Disney, um, the Disney Engine Imagineering announced the Star Wars Star Cruiser Hotel will be open at Disney World in 2021. Okay. So it's much longer. Nice. I thought it was closer uh, to be completed, but it's not. Or at least not as close as I thought it was going to be. So I feel like, for me, it's probably going to get there sooner than I'm able to go there. Oh, so. yeah. No, absolutely. And I think <laughs> I'm a okay lot of, with I think it. a lot of people are yeah. in that boat. But this is that thing where when they were building the park, all my friends kept telling me that the park was open. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know what Disney World you're going to, <laughs> but the park is not open. Yeah. Because I've been, I was really closely following the news. So this is me on air saying, "Hey, anyone who wants to tell me the Star Wars hotel's open, you're wrong. 2021 <laughs> is when it opens. <laughs> nice. So it's like a whole good year, probably year and a half. Um, so what did? I don't want to go into a big review, but um, Star Wars: The Last Jedi is probably. I don't want to say it's the most hated, but it's definitely the most widely discussed Star Wars film of the entire saga. Yeah. Because it's very divisive. It. I, wa- really... I wanted to say it's the most divisive, too, but with the prequels, I don't when you, know if when that's you compare last When you compare Last Jedi to the response of Episode One, I don't know, but because of the internet exists now more than it did back then... Uh, the Last Jedi has become a controversy in the world I of Star Wars. I think people were quicker to hate on The Last Jedi. I think like, they were, too. I I don't know. Sorry, like, I don't think we've talked about this on the show, but I remember episode one coming out, and not that many people were hating on it. And then it was like... It was later. Yeah, it was like ten years later that all these YouTube 
critiques of the movie came out and stuff, and then people started going, "Yeah, the movie does suck." But right, and like I was there when it came out, it, and, and I just remember being like on a high, like this is amazing. Yeah, you know, we yeah, were all exactly. just happy the Star Wars event. <laughs> Last Jedi has been a point of controversy, and um, Ryan Johnson, who wrote and directed the Last Jedi, um was asked if he would like to guest direct an episode of The Mandalorian for season two. Ryan Johnson said, hell yeah, if I have time, um, I would get there in a heartbeat. That was Ryan Johnson's response. Now, who doesn't want to play in the world of Star Wars? How do you feel about Ryan Johnson directing an episode of The Mandalorian? I, I think it's a TV show, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> like, <Okay. laughs> like well, I don't think... Listening to uh, like Kevin Smith's podcast and him talking about directing TV shows, it doesn't seem like the TV show director has a big handle on the story at all. Like I think no, the director is just there to literally the, he'd be direct the, the scripts. Scenes, and, yeah, right. And if you look at now, if you look at Ryan Johnson's movies that are not Star Wars, uh, Brick, Looper, uh, Knives Out. I haven't seen Knives Out yet, but Brick and Looper were freaking amazing films. If you just look at the movies and how they're made, I mean, Last Jedi, regardless if you like the writing or not, it's a beautiful film. Like, it looks amazing. It looks just like, it physically looks like what you need it to be. Um, it's got a visual line, like, it looks like Star Wars, and it looks great, and the scenes handle well, and the acting, like, the, the, the direction of the acting and the stuff like that, it's still good. Um... Ryan Johnson, I think, is a good director. I'm totally down for this. I don't know if I'd want him to write The Mandalorian. I have no problem with The Last Jedi, but I feel like that would cause... I don't want to... I honestly don't want him to write it because I don't want him to, like... I don't want to read about it on the internet for six months. Right. You know. I think, um... I don't know enough about Ryan Johnson's, like, body of work outside of Star Wars to really have an opinion on him sure. writing it or not. I think... I do have issues with The Last Jedi. Like, I really enjoyed watching the movie. Like, it's one of the only Star Wars movies that I couldn't predict, like, anything that oh, was going to happen. And I think that was but, one of the best parts about the movie, that you didn't... You, yeah. For the first time in 40 years, I didn't know where a Star Wars movie was going. Yeah, exactly. And I think... Um, the thing is, like, I do have certain issues with the movie, but most of them are things that were carried over from Force Awakens. Yeah. And, like, I feel like, I don't know, I mean, we, like you said, we don't have to get into a big thing, but a lot of the problems people have with The Last Jedi, people, I think people don't realize that those aspects of the story were set up in Force Awakens, and then Ryan yeah. Johnson just kind of followed through with them. So yeah, and now we're dealing, and now we're going to get to finally see how that plays out. It's a it's Act Two of a trilogy, it's an Act <laughs> right. Two of a three part story. Yeah. Okay, you know it's not right. Just chill out. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the Snyder Cut, real quick, yes. and then let's do the list. Okay, the current cut of the. Uh, the Justice League, which I'm now referring to it as because <laughs> Joss Whedon broke the film. That movie has a runtime of two hours. Even. Two hours. Okay. And Joss ordered a ton of reshoots for scenes. Yeah. Okay. And I know the opening of the movie with Batman and the criminal and the parademon, that was done with Joss Whedon. He specifically did that sequence. Okay. Zack Snyder, in all the does a Snyder Cut versus not a Snyder Cut exist, Zack Snyder posted on his Instagram a picture, it was either his Instagram or his Twitter, a picture of 
the film canisters for his Snyder Cut of the Justice League. Uh, and, and the post read, yes, it does exist. And it was a picture of the film <laughs> right. Yeah. Amazing. This is what's interesting about it, and it blows my mind. So, because of Joss Whedon's reshoots that he ordered, and his runtime on Joss Whedon's cut of the film of two hours, the Snyder cut, after the edit, so, you, so like, what you have is you have a giant amount of footage, and you have to edit it down to a movie length. Yeah. Apparently, it was five hours. <laughs> after okay. the edit, to get the Snyder cut, it's three hours... And 34 minutes. I mean, sounds sounds right. <laughs> I mean, the ultimate let's, edition let's of put it this BBS way. was that is super an, long. That is an hour and a half extra footage that we didn't get. And Avengers yeah, Endgame with eight extra minutes got a re-release in theaters. <laughs> yeah. Secondly, and I don't want to... I honestly... I, I say this every time we bring up the Snyder Cut, but then stuff happens on the internet, and I'm like, crap, we have to talk about this. On top of that, because of... And this is really messed up. If you want to put this into context, because of Joss Whedon's reshoots, there is currently an estimated 90% of content in Snyder's movie that never actually made it to the screen. 90% different movie. This is a completely different Justice League film. And I'm sorry to say this, but this is probably the Justice League film we deserved. And should get. So I am, again, backing the we need the Snyder Cut to happen. Yeah. I period. mean, it's, I'm, like, it's one I, of those I, things when when you saw Batman v Superman and that opening scene that is right, picks up right where Man of Steel left off and all the events of, like, that invasion of Metropolis where everything lined yeah. up perfectly... Like, you know that Zack Snyder was going to go into Justice League with that same sort of cohesion. He had a a plan. Yeah. I'm sorry, but give me Mm -hmm. um, the Justice League movie that we deserve, not the Justice League movie you think we need. Yeah. And absolutely. And this is, like, the thing where I'm a DC Comics fan. Like, I'm always going to like a DC Comics movie, but I also like multiple versions of things. So I'm, like, like I have a copy of... Joss Whedon's version of the Justice League on the shelf at home on Blu-ray, but I would buy a oh, the Snyder Cut in a second. I would like, buy the Snyder Cut. I like in having both, both versions, cow. you know? And I mean, we just want to see it. Like, that's all it comes Look, at down At the end to. of the day, we just want to yeah. see it, and Warner Brothers, I will not be the one to say you were wrong if it's a better movie. Mm-hmm. I will say thank you for giving it to us. Don't I'm going to say thank you for giving us, and please trust your directors, and that's all I'm going to say. For sure. Because I, that's what it came down to. Did you hear, so I was kind of researching the same story about Zack Snyder sharing the pictures of the film canisters and stuff, and uh, where those canisters are, you know, are they at Zack Snyder's house, or are they in a <laughs> right. closet in Warner Brothers somewhere? Like, we don't know a lot about what even is inside of those, but somebody in the comments, I guess, said... Somebody should leak the Snyder Cut, and I guess Zack Snyder said, 
hey, that's a good idea or something like that, which I thought was really funny, but very interesting. Like, what's going to come out of this? Well, you know? I just hope the Snyder Cut doesn't... I hope it actually gets to a Blu-ray so I can pick it up and it doesn't show up on a streaming service that oh, I'm yeah. not going to pay for it. Then I'm going like, to do a free trial just yeah. to watch and then I'm going to cancel the service. I mean, um, it might be one of those things they sell at bootleg DVD booths at Comic-Con and stuff. You never that, know. That too, but I would have... <laughs> it might, but, go, might go the way of the 90s Fantastic Four movie. <laughs> yeah, right. Um... How about this? All right, we've talked enough news and blabbled on about oh, other yeah. stuff. You want to talk about our list tonight? Yeah, sounds great. Because this is a list we've been pushing back and pushing back <laughs> yeah, and we pushing finally back. Got it's there. finally time. So the most hyped of all the <laughs> most hyped of lists because we've had to keep pushing it. Yeah. So how about this? Time to run the list. Ryan, play the thing. And now for the top five. All right. We are ready to discuss this list. Peter, would you like to explain the list and remind our listeners what exactly... uh... Yeah, we're doing um, fictional um, bands or singers, uh, musical performers. Um, It's basically just you've watched a ton of TV shows, movies, cartoons comics whatever where there are fictional you know fictitious yes <laughs> fictional fictitional. fictional uh music performers and i just think it's like kind of an interesting like niche deep cut thing i thought it would just kind of be fun to uh talk about our favorite you know ones out of that group so which i found this list a little bit so here's the thing i started thinking about fictional bands and movies and like musical numbers yeah. and movies and stuff and i was like oh this list is going to be easier than i thought and then I Googled it just to kind of make sure I had a like a actual like worded list in front of me so I could work off of. It was a lot harder than I thought. Okay. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> I found it like probably easier than I expected, but it's I don't know. It's just oh. kind of how you approach it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, do you want to? Um, I have two honorable mentions. I don't know where you sit. I have two those. honorable mentions as well. Okay. Um, so how about this? My first honorable mention. Um, all right, so the first thing I'm going to mention, it's it's an honorable mention only because the band is a real band in real life that recorded one specific song for a movie, but the band on stage of the movie is the I think real I know where band, but it's this. not the lead singer. Okay. So it's the band from Eurotrip that does the song <laughs> Scotty Doesn't Know. <laughs> right. It's uh, Lucero, right? Yes, but yeah. because they're technically a real band, I didn't. <laughs> I had to put them an honorable mention. That's an honorable mention. Okay. <laughs> you you like the Matt Damon-fronted Lucero band? Or? Yes. Um, that's really funny. I didn't even think of that, but that's it's, a great call. <laughs> it's, it's too... Like, I love that... First off, I love that song. Yeah. I love the whole moment, the fact that that song is a running gag throughout the entire movie and you hear it over and over. Like, it's it's so good. Like, I have a, I have that on MP3 in the car so it can just pop on every now and then. Just, <laughs> yeah. I'll have it on shuffle and it'll come on. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was, so. like, such a good comedic moment. And, like, that's actually a great call. I didn't think of that at all. And that's... That when is you one said fictional band, that was the first thing I thought oh, of. Oh, really? I'm like, that's really not a fictional band <laughs> for these very reasons, so I can't put it on my actual list. Yeah. So, fair enough. Um, so, my first honorable mention is Mordecai and the Rigbys. And this is from a regular show, which should be pretty clear, but this is an episode where... Uh, 
Mordecai and Rigby uh, create a band, and it's really all just to uh, impress the girl that uh, Mordecai has a crush on. I can't remember her name at the moment, but um, it's this funny thing where they... <laughs> I'm not even sure how to spell those names, yeah. but I guess I love regular show. That <laughs> yeah. show is so... It's so brilliant. It's so well-crafted. It's so well-written. Yeah. But go ahead. <laughs> it's just one of those things where they uh, they practice as a band and they're really bad, but then they're... Uh, like future versions of themselves that are rock stars show up and say like oh no just play the show you'll do great you'll see and what what ends up happening is they play the show and it does go great but they realize that their instruments aren't hooked up and it's just a recording playing for them and the whole plot of the show has this really great like hey lip syncing isn't really cool like actual performances is like the way to go and it's kind of like a cool like statement on like the music industry in a lot of ways that i really appreciated right. and like the song they sing which is like i think it's like let's party tonight or something is like really really dumb like it's a really simple dumb song but i it's really catchy and i enjoy oh, it sure. a lot too, yeah. so. <laughs> did you watch lego movie 2 yet i still haven't watched that okay. one they have in the first movie they have the song everything is awesome yeah in this movie, they have a song called, it's called Catchy Song, and it's basically nice. a pop song, but the lyrics, the chorus is, this song's going to get stuck inside your head. <laughs> That's um, awesome. It really doesn't, and you're just like, this, <laughs> no, this ain't going to get stuck inside my head, and then like two days later, you're like humming it, and you're like, oh, oh nice. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's actually a really cool uh, like play on the idea of pop music in the movie. Okay, nice. Um, all right, so my next... Um, Honorable mention, as I think this is going to be a little bit of be considered um, sacrilege for me to say, because of its um, because of its popularity in the realms of film history. But um, and that's only, I only say that because it's going to make an honorable mention list. But I have a reason, um, and that's the band Spinal Tap. Right. Okay. Okay. The only reason it makes an honorable mention is the movie Spinal Tap or the movie This is Spinal Tap is about this fictional band called Spinal Tap. And when you're watching the movie, you don't actually know it's a fictional band. It's, it's basically a mockumentary. Yeah. The movie's great, but you don't really get to hear the band play. Yeah, not you know a what lot. I mean? yeah. Like, not a lot. So it's basically kind of like a story about a band that you don't know that you never really get to see. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, yeah. There's like snip of, snippets of songs in there, but that's a definitely that's a funny choice. That's one that made my short list, and I think it's like I love Spinal Tap, I love the movie, I love that uh, era of music that it's making fun of. But I just haven't watched it enough that it's like there's other fictional bands that just mean more to me personally. But it's definitely like an awesome pick. Right. So um, my next honorable mention is uh, the School of Rock. So. Jack I don't Black. know. Yes, the Jap Jack Black movie version. I know there's actual schools of rock. I don't know if this movie was based on a true story at all or anything like that. But I'm specifically talking about the version in that movie, which is, I think, the, the that movie is super entertaining. I feel like people don't give it enough credit, but it's like super fun, really funny, good movie. Um, and then the songs they sang in the movie are like really catchy too. Like there's a couple original tunes and then there's a couple, you know, covers that they do, but yeah, right. that's pretty much it. <laughs> All right. So we're onto our actual list. Yes. Okay. So the f actual pick. So my first pick that we're going to talk about tonight is Sex Bomb. Nice. From... We actually matched, and oh, that was did. actually okay. the next band I was going to talk about, to All be right. honest. So what's interesting about this is I was thinking about this when I was putting my list together, um, is Scotty, uh, sorry, 
Um, Scott Pilgrim? Scott Pilgrim. I almost said Scotty doesn't know. <laughs> Scott, <laughs> Scott <I> mean, Pilgrim. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, you know what? That song would work in, that song would work in that movie, too. It probably could, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, it, he um, it would it would go. Yeah, they would just work. have to change Fiona to Ramona. No, 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 because it works with Envy. Okay, so, there yeah, because you, you know his girlfriend Envy left him, so that would totally work <laughs> out. Um, when I was looking at this movie, you could pro- I could probably put every band on this movie on the list. Every band in the movie on this list and have my five if I really wanted to. Oh because yeah, I was thinking sure. about it. I'm like, you know, Sex Bomb is the mo- band from the film. But the Clash of Demon Head has that one amazing song you get to hear, yeah. and like it was good. And you're like, yeah, Brie Larson, you're good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, so, but at the end of the day, this was the band I had to go with because I mean, Crash and the Boys. I mean, that's just really, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I was gonna mention Crash and the Boys, which I think is really. I love uh, just their concept as, as a band. Like, they're, I think it was the first song they play, which is so sad. That's, like, literally two seconds long. <laughs> it's, like, a single distorted chord and them just right. yelling so sad over it. But, um, yeah, I love uh, Scott Pilgrim. I, uh, I love the story. I love the comic, of course. And then... I mentioned this, I actually was going to talk about this band first, even though, just like you, even though I think it's higher up on my list, but I just think the songs that they sing as well are like, I definitely dig them too, like it's a really cool indie rock vibe, and uh, I mentioned on our soundtrack episode, like, the Sex Bob Om songs were actually written by Beck, the singer, Oh, so yeah. I think that's kind of a cool, you know, little... And now, well. and now I want to go watch Scott Pilgrim. So. <laughs> right <on. laughs> um, Yeah, so we matched... Awesome. Yep. Um, I have a feeling we might match. We might match a lot. We might we'll match see. a lot tonight, but that's all right. We want to talk about things we like, right? <laughs> so the next thing I'm going to talk about is um, Electric Mayhem. Okay, nice. Did this, we match on this one? No, we actually okay. didn't, but this is one that made my short list. Okay, if you don't know who Electric Mayhem is, you probably do and didn't know that was their name. <laughs> Electric Mayhem is the band from The Muppets. Um, so this, you know, Dr. Teeth and, you know, uh, not Gonzo, Animal on drums and you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, um, the, the Electric Mayhem band, you always hear them playing in the background. They always have the little funny bits in the movies. Um, but have you ever actually heard some of their songs that are like outside the films? I don't think I have. Okay. It's like one of my favorite songs that they do. It's so funny is the song starts with, you just hear him like warming up the instruments and you know, Dr. Teeth mentions that, um, he goes, everyone thinks we're a hard rock band and all we know how to play is hard rock, but we're going to show you that we can in fact play a song that we all wrote and we will play tenderly. And the song is called Tenderly, but it's a hard rock version of all these tender things. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this meta version, like you know what I mean? Okay, it's, yeah. it's such a funny bit, and then they play this hard rock version and like yeah. <laughs> this hard rock song about the, the wind blowing through the trees and like all this like, <laughs> It's really like funny. It. And it's awesome. just I love the fact that they uh, throw all that together. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, the writers really knew what they were doing with those characters. Yeah. And, so. Electric Mayhem, like, it kind of goes up without saying, but since it, they're, like, Muppets, it's one of those things that when you see an image of them, you just get a smile on your face, and it's, like, instantly recognizable. And also, like, I just love a lot of the characters in that band because they're just kind of, like... And I say this, and it's going to sound weird, but they're some of the coolest members of the Muppets, I think, and I say cool, like personality wise like they seem really cool-headed laid-back people you know like <laughs> right. when there's some crazy problem going on in a muppet movie or show like they're always the ones who are just, just really like, hey, laid man. back about, yeah exactly so right 
Nice. So we didn't match for that one, which would go into my next pick, yeah. right? Um, which is The Wonders. So this is another one that I think would... We sit... did not match on this. Okay. This is another one that would sit higher up on my list. I'm but... actually... I know, like... I'm not the biggest... It's a good movie, but I'm not the biggest fan of it. Right. So, okay. Um, it's I, just okay. Since we, we just talked about soundtracks and I talked about the movie That Thing, that thing You Do, I didn't want to... That's, I think, why I'm kind of getting these, like, Sex bob and the Wonders out of the way right away. But uh, this is just, I think it's, like, I do enjoy that thing you do. I think when you watch a lot of movies about, like, real bands and their story, it's kind of funny how that thing you do kind of tells, like, the typical band story that's happened so many times. Like, uh, one that comes to mind is The Runaways. I don't know if you ever watched that, but it's, like, the story of, like, Joan Jett and, like, the Runaways, like, that band oh, or whatever. Yeah. And it follows the exact... It's almost like the exact same story arc in That Thing You Do. It's just, this actually happened, and That Thing You Do is fictitious, which I thought was kind of pretty funny. But it is one of those things where I like the movie a lot, I like the story a lot, but I actually really like the songs they play in the movie, too. I think they're really oh, catchy the, and the stuff. the songs you know? are definitely catchy. The songs are decent. I'm just yeah. not a big fan of the movie. So I also think um, I remember hearing uh, Tom Hanks, like a Tom Hanks interview where he was talking about the plot of that thing you do came out of like actual rock stars from like the early 60s or whenever it takes place who would have like that one hit and like their job was literally to travel around the country to different concerts and play a single song, you know, like your work day is like a minute and 30 seconds long in front of an audience and then you would just go travel somewhere else. And I think right. that's kind of a cool concept to build a, a movie around, I guess. Sure. Um, is it my go? Yeah. All right. So my next pick um, is uh, this. Th look, when I was going through my shortlist, this really came down to the fact that I really like all like almost every song you hear of this group. Um, and that's Infant Sorrow. Okay, nice. <laughs> um, if you want to know where Infant Sorrow is from, you got a taste of them. You got a taste of Infant Sorrow in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. And then you really got a taste of Infant Sorrow if you watched Get Him to the Greek, which is yeah. like the unofficial sequel. Um, even the band his wife is in, that you get to hear some of her songs. Um, the songs are good on their own. They're very cleverly written because all the songs, every song in that movie, every song that Infant Sorrow does is a sexual innuendo. Yeah. But you just have to listen for it. Mm -hmm. Like, and But if you take the sexual innuendo out of the song and just listen to the song, it's this great song. Yeah. With this innuendo that's in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, like, it's so funny how it's put together. And um, at the end of the day, the music's great. And I just, it's... It's because of the cleverness of putting in the innuendos and weaving them into the into the lyrics that made me really enjoy it, and it makes okay. me laugh. And uh, that's one of those soundtracks that like I really like listening to just because I get to laugh at it. Mm -hmm. Like, how oh, that's funny, but the music's great at the same time. <laughs> so, um, I actually never got around to watching uh, "Get Him to the Greek," but um, like the Infant Sorrow songs in uh, "Forgetting Sarah Marshall," I think are super catchy and like really. They fun. are, and then he has more of them. Like he has a song. I think I think I mentioned this on uh, the, that, the when we were on the soundtrack yeah. thing. But there's a song he has called "The Clap," 
Yeah. Um, and it's like it's all about like the, like I get like I start clapping and then it's like a, it's like a catchy thing like you start clapping in a concert yeah. and suddenly everyone's clapping. But the clap is referring to the STD. The clap. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, so it's really funny when you put it into when you backwards the context of the song. Mm-hmm. And I also love that. Uh, um, I can't. Who's the the singer of Infant Sour? What's that actor's name? Elvis Snow. Well, Elvis Snow, but like oh, the Russell Brand. Russell Brand. Who's yeah, like I think he does such a good job at that role, and I just love that they really play off this sort of uh, the character he plays is so recognizable. Like, and I mean that as like he's kind of a uh, he kind of takes the place of like pretty much like insert any rock star you can think of, but like I just like the like famous rock star persona that he has that is so recognizable and that's what makes like a lot of it so funny to me so um i guess that could move into my next yeah, pick. i have a feeling um, we're gonna match on at least one more of these we'll see it's we're kind of getting past the ones i thought we we're gonna match on for oh, me but we'll see right. my next pick is the lone rangers oh, so this is yeah. from the movie uh airheads and it's um steve buscemi brendan fraser i really like sandler this in this band <laughs> this is one where you really only hear one song by them, but I think it's a really good song. Um, I found out later that it's, uh, I think the song's by Reagan Youth, which was like a punk <laughs> band from like the 80s. Like that's the original version, and then they like changed it up for the movie, which I thought was kind of just an interesting thing. But this is uh, another movie that like Mordecai and Rigby has, a, or Mordecai and the Rigby's has a very like, actual performances are but like that's kind of like a message in the movie like we should actually be performing as opposed to like mimicking that we're playing music on stage but this is just one where i just love the movie a lot i think it's uh just a really fun like really funny film so sure yeah Yeah. Um, all right, so, no, I, I really like that movie i just i didn't even think about them when i was putting this (laughs) this together um so my second, my my last, my next one that I'm going to talk about, and I'm surprised I'm not saving this to the end, but I'm going to talk about it now, is uh, from Star Wars. We couldn't do this list without talking about a band from Star Wars. Yes, yeah. uh, Finger and Dan and the Modal Nodes. Now, if you want to know which band that is, because if you watch Star Wars, if you watch the whole saga from beginning to end, you're going to see a lot of musical numbers. Um, from the Max Rebo band to the, you know, Mon Calamari Opera to, you know. Size Noodle. Size Noodle. Yeah. Size Noodle is a part of the Max Rebo band. Okay, right. Okay, um, there you go. But if you think about, but when you watch Star Wars, if you are from the OT generation like I am, the original trilogy generation, the very first band you were introduced to in the Star Wars universe was Finger and Dan and the Modal Nodes, and that's the band that plays in the cantina. That's the Bith band. Yeah. Now, when you're watching that movie, that is the that is the one you do not think about that at all until you see them for the very first time. And they have gone down in history as one of the like coolest like moments of that film just because <laughs> yeah. of the fact that you don't think about it when you go watch a movie like that. Um, and that song and the Cantina song that they they play two songs specifically, but the song they're playing when the when you see them originally, that's kind of like an iconic song on its own. Yeah. So I just I had to bring it up. There was no way Star Wars was not making this list for me. That's awesome. That's and I a... really and I really battled between <coughs> the Modal Nodes and the Max Rebo band because the original cut of Return of the Jedi Max Rebo band I like that song, uh, Lopty Neck, and then uh, the like hearing uh, Jedi Rocks when they did the special editions and changed the song. I like that song too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. 
Um, I think you picked, you had a really good pick. Between those two bands, I feel like the one you picked is just so iconic. Like, there's something about, it's such a catchy tune they're playing. Like, you remember that, like, once you hear it, you never forget it. And it's, like, kind of this tune that you can hum automatically on command, which not a lot of songs you can do that with. And then also just the look of that band is so memorable and recognizable. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the silhouette of the creatures playing their horns or whatever or what exactly it is but it's just such a recognizable thing um this is a awesome pick of course uh for all the reasons i'm saying i'm glad you picked a star wars one because i actually unfortunately didn't pick any star wars bands (laughs) and that's only because pretty much all the star wars bands i feel like you only hear one song of and it's a lot of just kind of like this in passing thing where it's like a lot of the Star Wars bands don't have a big impact on the story and therefore didn't have, like, a huge impact on me besides, like, oh, that's really cool, they were there, and, like, it's a really fun moment, but it's not like I get caught up into the story of the Max Rebo band or whatever it sure. is, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really know much of the backstory between these guys. I just, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it is the spinoff we're all hoping for. <laughs> it, it is, because they could do a whole movie on the modal nodes and we'll... Yeah, um, yeah. I mean the see the that thing you do version of the modal notes. It'll be great. <laughs> the spinoff, like I really want to see, is uh, I'd love to see a movie just specifically about the huts. Like they could do a Jabba backstory or something. And I don't think hey. I don't know that anybody else does, but that's the one that I want. You know what you should do, and I don't know if you've ever watched the Clone Wars, but since you have Disney Plus at your fingertips, like right in the middle of the Clone Wars is this whole j- hut story arc. Okay, nice. With, I've, with size noodles and everything. Like, I've watched, like, so, some of the Clone Wars, but I definitely want to actually go lot, back and watch, like, every yeah, there's episode. there's a legit thing, hut so. story arc where you yeah. see multiple huts. Well, um, I just, in general, want to see more huts represented in things. Like, it's 2019, we need that hut res- uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> representation. representation. <laughs> um, but, yeah, seriously, uh, you should watch the Clone Wars, then. <laughs> right on. Uh, what's your second to last pick for the? So year? my second to last pick is Wild Stallions from Bill and Ted's Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey. This is a band that's and you're excited for the next movie, aren't you? I am. I'm. Bill I'm and kind Ted of face the music. <laughs> I'm kind of dorm, dormantly excited. Like dormantly, once I yeah. once I see something, it's gonna reignite. It's gonna ignite that excitement for me. But this is a band that's just kind of this like teenage fantasy where it's just about like. You know, these two, um, these two guys who just kind of, they're in a, like in the first one, they're in the, in a band, but they don't have any instruments and they don't know how to play. And eventually they do get to, they do get guitars and they're just playing in their garage, but then they go on to be the biggest band in the world. And it's just something it is, it's a teenage fantasy, but it just, the whole thing brings a smile to my face. Um, I really like these movies. I like the humor in them. I like Bill and Ted's characters a lot. Um, and it's just one of those things, like, uh, I think the only, like, full song you hear that's Wild Stallions is at the end of uh, Bogus Journey, and the song is actually God Gave, Ra- I think it was God Gave Rock and Roll to You by Kiss. Like, it's actually a Kiss song, but they just say it's, they, like, they don't even say it, they just portray it as if it's a Wild Stallions song, but it's a really good song. Like, I love, <laughs> I love right. that song, you know? So this is just one that, like, Brings a smile to my face and had to make my list sort sure. of thing. So, I have a feeling we're matching on this final one. Okay. Because we haven't talked about it yet, neither one of us. Okay. Uh, so my final pick of the night is Powerline. 
No, we didn't. I didn't wow. even think of power line. Oh man! Wow! I didn't think of power line. <laughs> I'm shocked. I was like, we're totally. Oh I, man! When I wrote that down, I was like, we're totally. I kind of feel line. bad that I didn't. I didn't think of it, but <laughs> it's okay. Keep going. Um, all right. So, goofy movie. I've watched a lot since Disney Plus released, and power line. I liked all the music. Yeah. From that fictional singer back <laughs> yeah. when the movie came out, and it's just still amazing like it's just still good i think i like the song at the beginning better than i like the song at the end but um it's still good and it's and you totally understand like the whole point of that that character the band everything so oh yeah yeah that's um no i'm really mad i didn't think of that because i think it definitely would have made my list but i love goofy movie of course i've said it so many times and like powerline is like such a his songs are really good really catchy they still like get me pumped when I hear him and like he's a really cool like character design like I don't know like I know he kind of has a bit of like a it's an MC Hammer kind is of is it a, I'm so, I, oh, and I, I was I was gonna say like that's how I was looking at it because when you yeah. look at like when you look at the hairstyle I guess you're right with MC the lines Hammer. cut into the sides above yeah. the ears and then you look at his pants you're like they're clearly we're going for an MC Hammer I, deal. I always think of like Prince or like Michael Jackson but I think you might be on the I money think it's, with MC Hammer I think Hammer, it's like yeah. a cross between Prince and MC Hammer yeah, I really do Yeah I think do. you're right and that's the thing but I think like his jumpsuit's like so cool like it could be like a spaceman suit and you don't always see like uh people like rock stars in real life have that sort of like persona so I really appreciated that too and yeah, of course just the story on Goofy Movie, it's so great. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's good. And it's just too bad that Powerline didn't carry into this Goofy Movie sequel. And I honestly, I think that was one of the things I think was really missing from the Goofy yeah, Movie Yeah, that's, that's an interesting call. I need to watch an extremely Goofy Movie again. I you feel really like I, don't. <laughs> well, I remember most of it, and it's, it's definitely Wait, not as good as the first one. I thought you were Disney plussed out right now. You know, <laughs> when I say I need to watch it again, I mean eventually, you know, eventually, like yes. build up that taste for more Disney Plus movies. But yeah. All right, man. Well, what's your so final pick? That goes to my final pick, yeah. um, which is Death Clock, ah. which is, uh, you know, the death metal band from the show Metalocalypse. This is a band that uh, I do like their music a lot. Um, I think it's Brendan Small is the uh, guy's name, who's one of the co-creators of the show, who did all the music for the band like he's a really good musician he even after the show he's done some really good stuff but this is another thing where the show has so many like metal jokes and really meta aspects to it that i really appreciate and it's just uh i like death clock a lot because it's part of an animated series and it's one of those shows where literally anything that can happen and if you know the show like just thinking about that band gets my imagination going because literally like they've had episodes where they're like semi-realistic but then they've had episodes where they like like i think the episode where i think it was in finland they go and play a concert and they reawaken some like ancient troll that like goes and like slaughters everybody at the concert and stuff and it's like i just like that it's a show where anything can happen and it really tickles my imagination so this one just had to be, make my list yeah right sort of thing. that makes so, sense yeah. i don't know the music very well of that band <clears throat> right i'm not like versed in their music but i you know i know of them yeah i mean they're pretty and i watched enough of the show to let you know so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're um, pretty they're pretty typical death metal band but they've just got really funny lyrics right. mostly so <laughs> well that brings us to the end of this list nice um so let's look forward to next week um so next week technically would be my pick but we're gonna push my pick a week out 
because next week is going to be um, our Christmas episode because in terms of our release schedule, it should land Christmas week because we'll end up having to take, we'll probably end up taking a week off, but just for the sake of things, we want to make sure you guys have something to listen to over your Christmas break. So next week will be our Christmas episode, and what we're doing for our list is this. We're going to do our top five favorite. This is a little complicated. This is a long title for a list, but our top (laughs) five favorite Christmas specials that aired on television and or TV show episodes that are Christmas. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So, like, because every sitcom has done, like, a Christmas episode. You know what I mean? And um, then you have the TV specials, you know, so. I feel like, like, Christmas specials sounds like it works, but. I don't know if well, it is the thing is, is that there. It, well, that's the thing. Like, it's not a Christmas special. Like, we all a lot. The most famous one is Star Wars. Okay, but that was an actual Christmas special. He Man did a Christmas special, but that was an actual Christmas special. But then again, you go watch Modern Family and they have a Christmas episode, or you go watch Big Bang Theory and they have a Christmas episode. Yeah. Those episodes for those television shows are awesome. Friends does Christmas episodes, and they're great. So I kind of wanted to make it television instead of movies for a change. So our favorite, our five favorite Christmas episodes and or Christmas specials. So right on. Because, I look forward yeah, to it. It's going to be fun. It will be fun. So uh, with that being said, um, check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook. You'll also find a link to our email where you can interact with the show, top5report at gmail.com. Um, we are on Google Play, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. If you uh, subscribe to us at any of those places, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We love the five stars, but we also understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and uh, that's where I will be sharing photo evidence of the Ryan Johnson cut of the up- upcoming Spawn reboot. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> All right. So for the, for, the, for the top five report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll see you next week. Have a good night. Bye.